Good afternoon, Grace Alameda. My name is Jeff Locke, I'm one of the pastors. And uh, as you can tell, Kai and I are not in the same place. Um, I've been sick this week, and for fear of spreading whatever I had uh, to anyone else, and just to be extra safe, we decided to uh, film this separately and uh, post it at four o'clock instead of doing the live stream like we did last week. Uh, we will plan to do live streams in the future. Um, we think there's something valuable in being together at the same time, but we felt like it would be better to be safe than sorry in, in this particular case. Hope, uh, hope you all understand that and that we can still worship together at this time. Our scripture reading today comes from John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But Jesus, when he heard it, said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the, by the light of the world. If anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for revealing yourself in your word. Help us to see your son, Jesus, clearly, and in seeing him, see you. Fill us with your spirit, Lord God. Open our eyes, ears, and hearts to receive this word. And may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. For, for God, you are our rock and our redeemer. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, in his classic book, The Man Who Is Thursday, G.K. Chesterton writes, We have only known the back of the world. We see everything from behind, and it looks brutal. That is not a tree, but the back of a tree. That's not a cloud, but the back of a cloud. Cannot you see that everything is stooping and hiding a face? We could only get around to the front. 
Right now, in the midst of a global pandemic, we see everything from behind, and it looks brutal. The future is uncertain. The pain for many is all too real. Our fears for our families and for ourselves are not easily quelled right now. From behind, this world looks like a brutal place. The situation is raising uncomfortable questions for all of us. And we have a lot of extra time to think about it, don't we? In the confusion, maybe we're asking, why is this happening? And what can we do? In the uncertainty, we, we want to know what will happen next and, and when will this all be over? Many of us are tempted to give in to fear. Does my neighbor have a deadly disease? Will I be okay? Will my kids or my parents or my friends be all right? What if the worst happens to someone I love? In John chapter 11, the worst happened to someone Jesus loved. And it's a reminder that Christ came to show us the world the right way around. In his face, we see the face of God. In his eyes, we see eternal, celestial, almighty love smiling down upon us. When we look on Christ by faith, he puts the universe the right way around and shows us where our hope truly lies. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, it says that we walk by faith, not by sight. See, there's seeing, and then there's faith. If we want to stick with our, the metaphor that we began with, when we go by what we can see, we're, we're really looking at the world from behind. By faith in Christ, we get to see the world the right way around. So if we were there in John chapter 11, 2,000 years ago, what would we be seeing? What would the world look like from behind? Well, first of all, we'd see Lazarus sick. He was brother to Mary and Martha and a friend to Jesus. The sisters send a message to Jesus, and they don't even mention Lazarus by name. They simply send to him and say, the one whom you love is sick. Maybe there's some significance in those words. Maybe there's an inside joke there somewhere. What we know is that, that they're not strangers. They're close friends. And in verse 5, it reiterates that Jesus loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He was not a neutral party. And to Jesus, Lazarus was not a statistic. Now, right now, in the midst of a global pandemic, many of us see the statistics and we're daunted by them. 21,000 coronavirus cases in the U.S. as of yesterday, almost 270 deaths. Globally, there's over 300,000 cases and 13,000 deaths. The stock market is down 35%. Unemployment can reach 20% which is a figure we haven't seen since the Great Depression in America. These are rough statistics. 
For some of us, they're more than statistics. Maybe you're hearing this and, and you've already applied for unemployment. Maybe your hours have been cut. Maybe you fear getting laid off. I mean, it's already hard enough living in the Bay Area right now, isn't it? COVID-19 wreaking economic havoc may put you in a deeply insecure situation. Now, in John 11, Jesus wasn't worried about the financial side of things. No, it was his friend's life that was on the line. And maybe that's what has you afraid right now. Maybe you have an, an aging parent or grandparents or an immunocompromised family member. Maybe someone you love, someone close to you, someone with whom you have inside jokes would be in real mortal danger if they contracted the coronavirus. Maybe you're just concerned about those you're responsible for, your spouse, your kids, yourself. In John 11, everyone saw someone they loved, on the verge of death. In the midst of a global pandemic, we all see something a little bit different. Something, some aspect of it that makes us fear or worried about the future. In, in the disciples' case, they were worried about their own safety and the safety of Jesus. Well, no doubt they knew Lazarus. They probably had a beer or a barbecue with them at one point. But the disciples are worried about the real danger posed to Jesus and to them if they go down to Bethany. Because see, Bethany was in, in, in the region of Judea. Jesus was a wanted man in Judea. The last time they were in Judea, the authorities got a crowd together and tried to stone Jesus to death. The disciples remind Jesus of that, and that's why Thomas says in verse 16, Okay, fine, let's go with him, that we may also die with him. Jesus is putting himself in harm's way in order to go to his friends. He is risking his own life to save others. Now, in the course of, of this crisis that you and I face, some of us might have to make the choice of risking our own lives in order to save other people. Some of you might work in medicine or emergency or other essential services, and that work might put you in harm's way. On behalf of everyone here, let me first say thank you. Thank you for serving our, our neighbors and us in that way. And I want to remind you that throughout church history, Christians are the ones that were willing to be there in a crisis, willing to put themselves at risk for the sake of other people, whether it was plagues in ancient Rome or, or building hospitals throughout the world. Christians have always been those people who risk life and limb for the sake of others. Why? Because we follow Jesus. We say with Thomas, let us also go, that we may die with him. Because we don't see as the world sees. From behind, the coronavirus epidemic 
looks like an unprecedented crisis that ought to confuse and frighten and alienate us from one another. But what does this crisis look like through the eyes of faith? When we see the world the right way around, because we see it in the light of Christ, what changes about our perspective? What does faith see in this moment? And quite frankly, faith sees Jesus. And Jesus says in verse 4, this illness does not lead to death. Now that sounds like nonsense. Because Lazarus literally dies of the illness he contracts in John 11. In verse 11 through 14, Jesus says so. He says, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. So why does Jesus say that his sickness does not lead to death? Because Jesus is showing us the world from the front. He's showing us that what we mean by death is not what God means. We see a person whose body no longer functions, whose heart is no longer beating, and we call that death. But Jesus can look at people in the prime of life, a picture of physical health and well-being, who have walked away from him, and he sees dead people walking. In this passage, Jesus is redefining death. Physical death is just sleep. Lazarus is only taking a nap. By faith, we see death for what it is. It's a nap from which Christ will one day wake us. Death is mere sleep because Christ is our life. Death is mere sleep because Christ is our life. Physical death is not frightening to the Christian because as it says in Colossians 3 verse 3, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In verse 4, Jesus says that Lazarus' illness is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. From behind, this illness looks like the end of the road for Lazarus. But from around front, by faith in Christ, we see something far greater at play. We see God's eternal, gracious purpose is not to kill Lazarus, but to show his son to everyone there. Ezekiel 18.32 says, For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone declares the Lord God. So turn and live. God is not a God of death. He's a God of life. The problem with us is that we see everything backwards. We think up is down and left is right. But in God's eternal, gracious purpose to shine his love upon people 
through his son Jesus Christ, he allows Lazarus to die. He allows Lazarus to die physically so that we can learn what life and death really mean. Now, I don't know. I don't know what God's purpose is in allowing coronavirus to spread across the globe. I don't know the particular stories of people who are suffering from this epidemic. I don't know what the future holds for our nation or our world. I don't know how God is going to provide for our financial and physical needs as the economy takes a downturn. But because of the truths of this passage, I know that these are not our ultimate needs. Our ultimate needs have been taken care of. In Christ, we have life. By faith, you and I get to become participants in the glory of God. God himself the eternal creator, the ineffable, almighty one, became flesh and dwelt among us, subjected himself to death so that he could secure, secure life for, for all people. Christ is now the master of death and king of life. When he redefines death as mere sleep, we should listen because he's showing us the world from the right way around. Death is not death. Life is ours now and forever. We have no need to fear. In verses 9 and 10, Jesus said this. He said, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Christ is the light of the world. And he invites us to see the world in his light. When we see the crisis as the world around us sees it, it's like we're walking around in the dark, stumbling to find our way. But Jesus is the day. By his light do we see light. He welcomes us to trust in him and see ourselves and the world around us in the light of his grace. So over the coming weeks, we're going to keep looking at John chapter 11. And we're going to see the fact that Jesus was not impervious to suffering. He didn't float above the fray. No, he wept and mourned and suffered just like we do. He faced the evils of death and the brokenness of this world. The last thing that I want you to take away from this today is that God is somehow unconcerned with our suffering. God is deeply concerned with our suffering. God was so concerned that he, he loved us so much that, that he sent his son for us to live and die and rise for our sake. I don't deny that we have hardships and trials and neither does Christ. 
However, I do want you to see that one of God's purposes in our sufferings, Jesus says it plainly in verses 14 and 15, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, for the disciples' sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. Jesus is not glad that Lazarus died. Jesus is not glad that death has stolen his friend. But through the pain and brokenness of this fallen world, Jesus remains king. And in his supreme majesty and magnificent authority, he can take the worst situation, the darkest trial, the most heinous crime, and mold them to the shape of his grace. Jesus is not glad that Lazarus was sick and died. He was glad for the sake of his disciples. Because he knew that through this trial, through suffering, through the testing of their faith, they would come to believe in him. They would see him with the eyes of faith. And in seeing Jesus, they'd see the world the right way around. They'd begin to see themselves as dearly loved children of the Father. They'd see themselves as servants of the Lord Jesus. They'd see themselves as temples of the Holy Spirit. They would begin to see that death is only a nap and that weakness is strength. They begin to see temptation as a means of growth and trials as the forge of holiness. And they would come to realize the all-surpassing, unfathomable grace of God in Christ is worth sacrificing everything for. So brothers and sisters, take heart. Coronavirus is awful, and it is an effect of the brokenness of this fallen world. We should feel free to lament it, to mourn, and to mourn the losses that we, that we suffer, to grieve with our neighbors, to fight against it where we can. But we shouldn't stop there. We need to recognize, as awful as it is, that coronavirus is a sickness that does not lead to death. In Christ, our life is untouchable by any virus. In Christ, our future is secure, even when we suffer in the moment. So as we close, let me encourage you by reading from St. Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Brothers and sisters, do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. It's beyond all comparison. As we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen 
eternal. Let's pray. Father, may we believe the truth of this word. May we focus not on the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. May we not look at the world from behind, but from the front. May we see Jesus Christ at the center of all things in this world. And in his face, Lord God, may we see yours. In his face, may we see your love, your grace, your peace. May they be upon us. And may we continue to seek you in our weakness and cry out to you for mercy and grace. Thank you that we can. In Jesus' name, amen.